Psalm 41. Amen. If you, and I'm sure most of you, if not all of you do, have a yearly reading schedule uh, regarding Scripture, if you follow the normal plan, then this morning, the first words you read for 2023 would have been, in the beginning, God. I read that this morning and I said, how fitting is that when we consider time and a new year? In the beginning, God. What a way to start a new year. Praise the Lord for His goodness and His grace. Psalm 41. I'm going to read two psalms this morning. I'm going to do something a little bit different. Uh, and then I'm going to look at one verse in one of those psalms that kind of speaks volumes of both of them psalms. So it'd be a little different, but bear with me this morning. First Psalm 41. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou wilt not deliver him under the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. Like the hymn we just sang, Be Still, the hymnist spoke of troubling times that God's people were not spared, but God brought them through them all. So is the wording of the psalmist. He'll strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. Very important. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? And if he come to see me, he speaketh vanity. And his heart gathereth iniquity to itself. When he goeth abroad, he telleth it. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. An evil disease, say they, cleaveth fast unto him. And now that he lieth, <clears throat> he shall rise up no more. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me, and raise me up, that I may requite them. By this, and this is our one text of this morning, by this I know that thou favorest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. And as for me, thou upholdest me in my integrity, and settest me before thy face forever. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Best be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Now turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. 
Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation." With all those words read, we could possibly, most evidently, depart, go home, and have one of the greatest days of this new year if we spent time meditating upon those words. But with all that said, turn back with me to Psalm 41, and let us read our text one more time. Because of all we've just read, the psalmist said, By this I know that thou favorest me. Because. This is why I'm assured. This is why I'm confident that you favoreth me, that you delighted in me. Because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. He doesn't say, I'm getting ahead of myself, he doesn't say because my enemy does not attack me or that I have no conflict or trouble. He said, I have those things, but he doth not triumph over me. Big difference. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, with all the psalms and hymns and scripture that we've read this morning, our hearts are already filled with joy and delight in our Savior and our God. Lord, how we thank you for this new day, this new year that you've brought upon us. We thank you for delivering us and bringing us through the old year. We look so forward to this new year in spite of all the tragedy in the world and all the hectic and chaos and hatred and wickedness. Father, we are comforted by your word and by your psalms and by your hymns this morning that we can have confidence in a God who is a mighty fortress, one that changes not, and one that abides with us throughout all eternity. Father, we ask now that you'd bless the preaching of thy word, and may we know something of the psalmist's comfort by remembering that, Lord, though we've had many a conflict and many a trial and many enemies and many afflictions, none of them has ever triumphed over us because of your divine and sovereign protection. May we look back this morning so that we might with confidence and assurance look forward to whatever, Lord, awaits us by your divine providence in this new year. We love you and thank you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Beloved, with the coming of yet another new year, God's children are going to need no little comfort and encouragement going forward. Never has the world and Satan been more united in their oppositions and threats against God and his people than today. Add to that the chaos and uncertainty which abounds in this present world and the abundance of wickedness and evilness which abounds everywhere. The child of God is in great need of great comfort and encouragement entering into this new year with the coming of all these new laws that are sinful and wicked of themselves, whether it be the woke or the CRT or the homosexuality movement or the eyes of atheism, the departing of many from the faith, and I don't mean the true faith, the child of God will find himself facing many obstacles in this upcoming year. Not those who profess faith but doesn't have any. Not those who profess to be churches which are truly not. For they shall merely conform to the standards of the world. They'll fit in. But not the true child of God. Because of no effort of our own, but simply because we are of Christ, the world hates you not because of you, because of me, because we are of Christ, dearly beloved, we shall face great opposition this new year coming up. The enemies shall certainly abound. The deceitfulness shall arise. Even Christ said in Matthew that it will be so strong, if it were possible, even the very elect will be deceived. That's what we look forward to in this present world if the Lord delays his return. Yet how can we be so confident of God's deliverance? We look into the word of God and we find all these promises and we pray that God would enable us to know something of them in a personal manner. But the psalmist gives us uh, a clue, gives us an answer to how we can look forward to God's delivering us by remembering how God has already, in every conflict, enabled our enemies not to triumph over us. Now more than ever, the true child of God must, by God's grace, Seek, as the psalmist said in Psalm 91, to dwell in the secret place of the Most High while abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, there where we may, with the psalmist, say, The Lord is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. And, beloved, it's in this 41st Psalm that we discover how God is our refuge and our fortress, the sole ground of our hope and confidence, for in him we must trust. Look me, if you will, again at this amazing verse 11, which has given me much comfort this past week, and I hope and pray would be a comfort for you as well as we begin this new year. By this I know that thou favorest me. Now listen to the words of the psalmist. He speaks of an assurance. By this, I know. I'm persuaded. I'm confident. 
that you delight in me. He doesn't say because I know a lot of scripture. He doesn't say because I can quote a lot of scripture. He doesn't boast about his works before God or his piety or his own righteousness. He said, by this I know you favoreth me. This is how I know you favor me because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. I can look back over my life and see how though he's conflicted me and how he's afflicted me and how he's fought against me, but never has mine enemy ever triumphed over me. Now again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want you to be able to follow my train of thought this morning as we go through this passage of Scripture. Have you ever sat back and considered, regardless of how old you are in the Lord, all the conflicts you've had, and if you're a Christian, you've had many conflicts, both inward and outward. The Christian has enemies. Have you ever sat back and considered all the years you've walked with Christ, how many times... Your enemy, be it Satan, the world, even your own self, even your own sins, how many times have they triumphed over you? And if you're honest with yourself and with God, you must come to the same conclusion as the psalmist to humbly say, never. Oh, I've fallen. I've faltered. I've even considered giving up. But never, listen to me, never has your enemy triumphed, triumphed over you. Never has he stole your heart away from God. Never has he convicted you or convinced you to turn away from God. Never has he taken that which God gave you at salvation, namely the joy of knowing the Lord. Never has your enemy triumphed over you. And that's solely due to the sovereign perseverance of God. What an amazing thought. Now, for those of you that maybe just be a few years in the Lord, maybe it's not so much of a overwhelming, pleasant, joyful thought to you as those who've walked with Christ for years. I uh, This first jumped out at me last week when Brother Stewart was reading it for our Sunday reading and I discussed it with a few Christians after church, and all week long I've just been pondering this verse and, and going back over my 42 years of being a Christian and trying to remember and look at all the conflicts, and like you, I've had many, some more severe than others. But I've looked at all my conflicts, and never, never has the enemy triumphed over me. Never has God allowed them to triumph over me. Not once. It's an amazing comfort. The evidence that God favors us is that He will not allow our enemy to triumph over us. A hypocrite can't declare that because he's always triumph. His enemies always triumph over him. But not for the true child of God. You say, but preacher, sometimes the conflict has been very severe. Yes, it has. Sometimes it feels like, Peter, that Satan has sifted me. Yes, it has. Sometimes I've come so close to giving up. Why couldn't you? Why didn't you? God will not allow your enemy, as a child of God, to triumph over you. Are you listening this morning? He will not allow your enemy to triumph over you. It has nothing, listen to me, it has nothing to do with your obedience, with your service, with your faithfulness. It has all to do with God. 
By this I know thou favorest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. Says nothing about his ability to persevere, his ability to believe, his ability to sacrifice. It's all about God. Why do sinful men think that he's got to add meritorious works to anything about God? I'm spiritual because I do this. No, you're not. I'm better off as a Christian because I do this. Don't add anything to God. You can't make yourself more spiritual. You could try to be a monk and go live on the highest mountain in the world and isolate yourself from all the world. Believe me, you can't isolate yourself from yourself. Nothing we do is meritorious towards God. It's of God. What comfort that is. I'm telling you, as I get up there in age, some say, well, you're not old yet. Well, I'm getting there. But as I get up there in age and I look back and I ponder this verse and I look back over my life, Lord brought me such wonderful, amazing comfort that it's true. And I have had some fierce conflicts in my life as a Christian, as some of you. Yet I can truly, boldly say this morning, God has not allowed any of them to triumph over me. What an assurance that is for the child of God going into a new year in a world that's full of chaos. Oh, if it was up to me and what I did, I'd be afraid. This world is in a bad place. And to think that maybe somehow it's up to me to make it through this time, this tragedy, oh, God will help me out, but actually He kind of leaves 50, 50%, 50% to me. It's up to what I do or say. It's not up to what I do or say. We're kept by the power of God, Peter says. Kept by the power of God. The words of the psalmist are uniquely yet amazingly comforting. For the psalmist's assurance of God's favoring him or delighting in him is not found in his overcoming his enemies, but arises from the divine truth and personal experience. And I want to add that. Divine truth and personal experience that his enemy doth not triumph over him. Many people today, especially those who deep in theology, sometimes speak as though they like to throw experience out of the window when it comes to Christianity. But I'm telling you, this almost speaks of experience. Something he has personally experienced and he felt as he walked with God. By this I know that thou favorest me because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. He's been through it. He's been through the conflicts and the struggles from within and without. He's experienced that. And now he looks back and says, this is why I know God favors me. Because he does not allow them to triumph over me. You know, many seek assurance of God's favor in their accumulation of scriptural knowledge. Others in their achievements and spiritual duties while others still in their outward obedience and sacrifices. How do you seek assurance of God favoring you? Is it in something you do? 
or is it in something God does? Oh, this is, this is a vast difference between a, a real true believer and a hypocrite. Because everything the hypocrite has, everything the hypocrite hopes in is what he can accomplish, what he can achieve. And he can't say that his enemy has never triumphed over him. But a true believer can. And that's why the psalmist says, by this I know. Can you say that this morning in your own heart? Can you look back over your Christian life, regardless of how many years you've been a Christian? Can you look back and say, you know, the psalmist is right. I, I paid little heed to this kind of meditation before last week. But when I did, I began looking back over. And I'm, I'm telling you, just like you, the conflict of the Christian life is sometimes continuous, is it not? Sometimes, I mean, we've got short spans of joy. Yes, we do. But mostly in this present life, it's one of conflict. It's a warfare. We're constantly battling something. If it's not Satan, the world, it's ourselves, surely. We're constantly battling. But when you look back over that, and, and I, look, I can look back over 42 years and say, there's not one time. Not one time. My enemy succeeded in tearing my heart away from God or separating me from God or causing me to walk away from God, not because of my own doing. It's because God has not allowed them to triumph over me. Oh, when God permitted Satan to tempt Job, God didn't allow Satan to triumph over Job. Matter of fact, the latter end of Job was better than his beginning, is what the Bible says. When Satan asked permission to sift Peter's wheat, the Lord didn't say no. The Lord said, so of course. But he also told Peter, but I prayed for your faith. And when you've been converted, when it's over with, when you're strengthened, Strengthen your brethren. Not one. Not one is triumph. I dare say there are too few who give this divine truth much serious consideration and thereby deny themselves not only the assurance of knowing more personally God's favor. And I like how the Holy Spirit led him to use the wording by this I know thou favorest me, thou delightest. And by this I know you delight in me. You know that God would delight in me? He doesn't say, by this I know God is with me. By this he doesn't say, by this I know that uh, my faith is strong or that everything's... He said, no, by this I know you delight in me. By this I, I know you del delight in me. God delights in me. Have you ever considered that? Sometimes we make God too far away. We're the one that pushes him too far away. Oh, I'm not saying we should not reverence God. Yes, we should reverence God. But we are also called on to call him Abba, Father. And to know that this same sovereign God of whom we sing in Psalms about his sovereignty and his majesty and his providence and all these things, this same sovereign God delights in me. He favoreth me. And shows that favoritism by not allowing my enemies to triumph over me. Not a one. 
Are you beginning to understand why Paul says we're therefore more than conquerors through Christ? More than conquerors. Because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. Not triumphing, like I've said already, not triumphing over him does not exclude conflict. Listen to me. It does not exclude conflict. But in reality, listen to me closely, but it rather heightens the measure of conflicts the psalmist experienced. It heightened them. It didn't exclude them, but it heightened them. Let me show you. Look at verse 5. Listen to his conflicts. Verse 5. My enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? And if he comes to see me, he speaketh vanity. His heart gathereth iniquity to itself. When he goeth abroad, he telleth it. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. An evil disease, say they, cleaveth fast unto him. And now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. No, it heightened his conflicts. Beloved, these are not the experiences of one who is yet a babe in Christ, but one who has himself felt and experienced the conflict and treacheries of his enemies. You don't actually have to be an aged believer, but most of them will be able to relate to the psalmist. But you have to be a tried believer, right? Even Ruddy David, remember him? Came to face off Goliath. What was his confidence, faith in Goliath? It wasn't in Saul's armor, of course. It wasn't in his rocks, though he chose them wisely. What was his confidence? What did he say? As God delivered the lion and bear into my hand, they didn't triumph over me. I stand before Goliath and say that same God that enabled me to triumph over my enemies and them not only me will give me the victory today against this giant. You know how we go into 2023? The world's chaotic preacher. It's hectic. Evil is everywhere. It's so much chaos and so much uncertainty. How does a Christian be able to go through that? By remembering that God has never allowed an enemy to triumph over you and never will. Not even yourself. You listen to me? Not even yourself. What comfort that gives a child of God. His conflicts and afflictions, beloved, were very close to the flesh. Yea, my own familiar friend in whom I've trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Of course, the reference is also according to Judas. Though we wrestle not against flesh and blood, listen to me closely, because I think and believe that many of us are going to experience this even more in the new year with the falling away of many and the hatred and because the love of many will wax cold though we wrestle not against flesh and blood yet it is 
flesh and blood which often strikes the hardest blow. Are you following me? Though we wrestle not against it, it is often flesh and blood that strikes the hardest blow. Yea, mine own familiar friend. Some of my greatest sorrow, some of my greatest afflictions, as I'm sure some of you as well, has not come from the hands of the ungodly or the wicked, but those of my own familiar friend of whom I've trusted. The wounds of a friend, Proverbs says, are faithful. Thank God for friends that will give us wounds because they're faithful to God and to us. Healing, prosperous, that's what that word means. These wounds are healing, they're beneficial. So I, later on the psalmist says, I'm, I'm, it's blessed when the righteous smiteth me. They're wounds, but they're prosperous of a friend. Yet the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, they're hurtful, they're evil. And many of us have sensed and felt the kisses of an enemy. How at first they're very emotional, very friendly. And I believe that's something that God has ordained for every child of God to some extent to experience in their lives. Our Lord said the servant is not greater than his Lord, right? If Christ must endure the kisses of a Judas, shall we not also endure the kisses of our enemies? Nothing Christ did in this world was for his own benefit, but for ours. Betrayest thou a friend with a kiss, he says to Judas. Shall we not also endure the kisses of enemies? And yet even then, by this I know that thou favorest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. You know it's going to greatly help us as we enter into this 2023 with all the confusion uh, and everything going on concerning the church. You know, it's amazing how we so often are quick to discern and to speak of the problems and issues of the church. What about the remedy? We're quick to dissect it and say, well, this is what they're doing wrong. What about doing right? It's the assurance of God's not permitting our enemies to triumph over us in past conflicts, beloved, that assures us in every conflict to come. Does that mean we'll be excluded from conflict? No. Does that mean we'll always be successful? No. Does that mean we'll never falter or fail like we have in the past? No. But the confidence that no enemy shall triumph over you is what our assurance is. No weapon formed against thee shall prosper. Do we believe that? <gasps> Those that afflict you afflict the apple of my eye. 
when you're afflicted, I'll be afflicted. I feel so sorry for those who know not Christ. What comfort do you have? As I was contemplating this message over the week, I felt I felt so sad for those who don't know Christ. You're living in a world that is not only full of chaos and hectic, but a world that's quickly coming to an end. It's very quickly coming to an end. If you can't see the end of humanity, even if you don't believe in Christ, even if you don't believe in God, you've got to see the world's coming to an end. It's utter chaos. Even if you don't believe in God, you've got to believe that these idiots would blow each other up if they had the chance. The world's coming to an end. The Christian has hope in God. He who abideth with us that changes not, he will be our refuge and our fortress. What do you have? You have nothing. Even now on the job, when I see and over the past few years, so many people coming out of the woodwork professing to know Christ, now all these problems and troubles are coming on, and they seem as though they're breaking and they're falling to pieces, and there's no comfort in what they profess to know about God. And I ask myself the question, first of all, is that me as well? I don't point fingers without examining myself first. But I ask myself the question, is my faith as well so small and indifferent as theirs? Had one this last week that's crumbling under the weight of confusion and despair at work. And, and they looked at me and they said, it's just kind of strange because the verse in my, my Bible last week, my popcorn verse, I don't know what that means, was be still and know that I'm God. I wanted to say, do you know any, have any idea what it is to be still and know that he's God? Do you sense what that verse even means? It didn't affect them at all in any manner. And I thought, God, could that possibly happen to me? Lord, let not such a thing happen to me. My heart panteth after God. Does it? When you read the Word of God, are you open and ready for God to speak to you? Or you just simply read it because it's a duty? Do you want and desire to have God speak to you? Are you waiting for God to say something to you? We should be, especially in this day and age. In our daily reading, rather than just saying, well, okay, I've got these chapters to read, and then my daily reading's over, and I could go out the door and start my day. Lord, even in my daily reading, speak to my heart. Let me hear thy voice in the morning, Lord. In the morning, let me hear your voice. Morning, night, and noon, thou shalt hear my voice, my prayer unto God. No. The assurance of God is not permitting our enemies to triumph over us in past conflicts. Is the assurance that we have in every conflict to come. Psalm 34. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. He doesn't pull his punches, does he? Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions. They are many. A divine truth that we do not deny, nor do we as God's people seek to evade or escape. We don't seek to evade or escape it. It's just a divine truth. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We don't deny it nor evade it, for we know the latter part of that verse. 
that the Lord delivereth us out of them all. You see, it sounds like almost an echo from Psalm 41. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth us out of them all. Man, I began contemplating on these two verses and the other ones we read this past week. My heart and my soul was so comforted in the fact that after 40-some years, I can stand here and say, I'm telling you, this is a truth that I personally have seen and witnessed and experienced in my own life. God is good. You remember Joshua and Caleb when they came back from the promised land? They were the only two. The other ones, you know, probably average professing Christians mumbling, complaining about all the hardships and trials, and it's not worth it in this. Joshua and Caleb came back and said, oh, no, in spite of all that, it's worth it. God's right. Let's go. We need Christians who have been to the promised land. We need Christians who have been further into the promises of God and come back to tell a new generation, I'm telling you, it's worth living for God. I'm telling you, God is true and faithful. He's loving, merciful, and kind. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. Why don't you trust in Him? You should be fleeing to the arms of Christ this morning. Because there's nobody out there that will take you. Nobody out there will keep you from enemies. Nobody out there will keep you from harm. God will keep you. He'll love you in spite of yourself, and He'll keep you to all eternity. Why don't people hear? Why don't they understand? I pray, say, God, why do you close the hearts of sinners if they don't see this, how wonderful and compassionate and loving you are? Why don't they come fleeing into your arms at the second they hear that? By this I know that thou favorest me. Look in Psalm 71. Look in Psalm 71. Stay with me. Verse 19. I take that. Yeah, verse 19. Psalm 71, verse 19. Uh, let's start verse 17. I'm sorry. Verse 17. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth. And hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Listen to this. Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, O oh God, forsake me not. Until, look at this desire, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation. Our brother prayed about Brother Charles and our dear brother William in their latter stages of their life. Brother Charles, at one time wondering what his purpose was. This is the purpose. You're old and gray-headed. You have something to tell the next generation. You have something to show them. What's that? God's strength and thy power to everyone that is to come. What a wonderful legacy. That I might show the next generation to come by my words and by my actions, that God is worthy of all praise, honor, and glory. And that though friends, family might fail you, might discourage you, might even disappoint you, 
God will never, ever disappoint you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. Verse 19, who has done great things, O God, who is like unto thee? Thou which hast showed me great and sore troubles. See, we don't evade them. Thou which hast showed me great and sore troubles, shalt quicken me again and shalt bring me up again from the depths of the earth. <laughs> Thou shalt increase my greatness. Listen to that. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Some people say, well, I really don't care for the Christian life because there's so many do's and don'ts, commandments, and this and that. You can't do this, can't do that. Well, let me tell you something. Everybody in this world, Christian or non-Christian, everybody in this world is going to suffer pain, sorrow, agony. We're all still under the curse of sin in that aspect. You're going to suffer sickness and sorrow. You're going to suffer loss, just like a Christian. I've suffered loss, great loss. You're going to suffer loss. You're going to suffer pain, disappointment. You're going to suffer all those things. The great difference is, and it is a great difference, is that you have no one to turn to. And the people you turn to could be gone the next day. What do you do then? child of God has a great comfort. He has a refuge. God is my refuge and my fortress. I hide under the shadow of his wings and I feel and sense his love and his compassion and his mercy towards me. And I know he delights, he favors me because of Christ. God, that I could love you more supreme. That is what we wish for all those who know not Christ. That is why when we grow old and get gray-headed, that's why we want to tell you of the strength and the power of our God so that you might listen, that you might come to know this God. What a legacy we would be able to leave you if we could impress upon your hearts and your minds your great need of Christ, that you might know something of these wonderful truths of which I speak this morning and not merely stand on the outside. By this I know that thou favorest me. Quickly, in closing, let me quote this verse in light of that. The Lord's Supper. By this I know thou favorest me. Because of this mine enemy doth not triumph over me. This do in remembrance of me till I come. By this. Every first Sunday of the month, we have the privilege and honor and blessing of partaking of the Lord's Supper, which reminds us that there was one enemy that will never triumph over us because of Christ. Not merely Satan, more than one enemy, but not merely Satan, but sin and everything. By this, I know you favorest me because you died for me. And because you died for me, I can live for you. And by this, we look at that. 
And we remember the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. Until he hath put all enemies under his feet. Christ. Until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is what? Death. As we grow older, Brother Charles, Brother Williams, myself, Greg, as well, but as we grow older and closer to this last enemy, it shall not triumph over us. Because Christ has already triumphed over it. We shall see its destruction in Christ. And if you're still alive and you see us lying there in those cold coffins, I want you to be reminded that though I'm lying in a cold coffin, I'm more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And I've conquered something that's coming to get you. And without Christ, it will triumph over you. And you'll regret that throughout eternity. Because you did not listen. Oh, I pray that both Christian and non-Christian this morning would take these words seriously of the psalmist. Christians, may we be comforted by these words of the psalmist. By this I know that thou favorest me for because my enemy does not triumph over me. And I pray the lost would hear that and say, Lord, if you do not favor me in Christ, this enemy shall triumph over me and I shall pay an eternal consequence for that. And I hope and pray that that happens to no one who hears my voice this morning. I hope and pray that you would take earnest heed to the words of Scripture. Listen, listen, listen. You don't have to be old and gray to realize death is a reality. Do you know that? had a woman this last week was fixing to go to Christmas up in Missouri to visit her daughter. <clears throat> the day she was supposed to leave, she got a phone call. Her husband, 55-year-old, was found dead in his apartment. 55 years old. Apparently nothing wrong. Found dead in his apartment. They buried him last week. You don't have to be old and gray. Death is no respecter of persons. There is a time appointed unto man. Job 14. Every single one of us this morning has in heaven a heavenly gravestone, if I could use that term, that has your name and date on it, my name and date on it, and nobody can surpass that date. No doctor in the world, no hospital in the world can ever stop you from passing that date. God has appointed not only a time for you and I to be born, he's appointed a time for you and I to die. And it comes quicker than you think. Lord, I wish you knew the urgency of what I just said. That you would turn to him before it's too late. And call on him who loves like no one could ever love you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, over 30 years of preaching and I never feel after I preach as I've done you any honor or glory at all. So I pray that you'd forgive this unprofitable servant and bless the preaching of thy word to the hearts of the hearers this morning. Lord, I pray you comfort the believer 
as we enter into this new year to be reminded that there has never been an enemy that's triumphed over us because of Christ. And Lord, may that assurance of your favoring us comfort our hearts and encourage and strengthen us for whatever you have for us this next year. And Lord, I pray for those who don't know you. I can't change your heart, Lord. I can't open up their hearts and minds. Lord, we trust that your Holy Spirit would do that. Give them no peace. Give them no rest. If need be, Father, I pray that you torment their souls with thoughts of eternity and separation from God. And I pray that, Lord, you'd use that to draw them to thee. That they too might know something of this love of Christ which passes all understanding. Father, I pray that you'd be with us now as we partake of the Lord's Supper. May we look at that and say, by this I know thou favorest us. Lord, may you be honored and glorified in all we say and do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.